So what I didn't realize is this song was actually first recorded by a band called the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band in 1994. Oh, you don't know the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band? (laughs) (laughs) That's the version that you downloaded from LimeWire. Oh, raised on the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. My parents loved them. They really brought me up. Lord, today, my first concert. Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. And welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 113, Breaking Away. The finale. I'm so sad. The finale. I can't believe we're here. We've done 13 of these. How? In what world? I don't know. Great episode. Great episode. But before we get into it, what are we drinking? This week, we are drinking the French 75. It is one ounce of gin, half ounce of lemon juice, half ounce of simple syrup, and three ounces of champagne. It's a classic. Delicious. Is it a classic? Is it? It is. Yeah. And we will find out why it's the French 75. Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you dive into it? I will dive into it, but I have to preface this recap by saying this recap is a little longer than usual, a little more intricate. It's more entangled just because the sequence of events, you can't really break it down. Like this is Dawson's story. This is Jen's story. They all weave into each other. It's a great episode and it's brilliant, but it's a little complicated to recap. So bear with me. We'll get through it. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Episode 113, which is called Breaking Away, opens in Dawson's bedroom. Joey comes in for movie night. Now things are still really awkward between them from the night of the Miss Windjammer pageant. He says that he wasn't sure she was coming, and she says she actually came by to say that she can't come by. So things are very, very weird between these two right now. He gets her to stay, and they start talking about cliffhangers. And she says it's a predictable device used to manipulate viewers into thinking the next episode will be different with nothing ever changes. It's a cheap ploy to get you to tune in. Dawson asks the question, what if that's not the case? What if this one cliffhanger that they're watching is the one that will actually change the course of the show for real this time? And then we're off to Paula Cole in the episodes off and running. So Jen and Grams are both shocked when her grandfather comes out of his coma and he speaks. Jen is happy for the first time in months and she really wants to celebrate with Dawson, but he says that he has plans with Joey, which takes the wind out of her sails a little bit. But she perks up when Joey walks down the hall and tells her and Dawson that she was just told that she was offered a year abroad to study in Paris, France. Joey is super confused about what to do. Dawson is really shocked and a little sad. And Jen, of course, is very happy. So Pacey, meanwhile, has an encounter with his brother, Deputy Doug, who tells Pacey that the family, especially their dad, is not happy because Pacey has failed all of his midterms and they've gotten wind of it. Doug tells Pacey that one day he's going to snap out of this and he's going to stop wanting to be the town loser, but it's going to be way too late. Now, Bessie, meanwhile, informs Joey that she needs to go to prison to visit their dad because it's his birthday and it's her turn to visit him this year. So en route to the prison, Dawson, who's accompanied her, tells Joey that if Paris is going to make her happy, then he would be happy for her. When they get to jail, they miss visiting hours, so they have to stay overnight in a motel nearby And the sleeping arrangements, for some reason, are just so awkward now, even though they slept together hundreds of times. The next day, Joey and her father come face to face, and it is not a great encounter. She clearly has not forgiven him for getting arrested for being a drug dealer, cheating on their mom while she was dying. And no matter what he says, it leads to a huge fight between them, where she reveals, and she says very firmly, you won't have to worry about me for much longer, I'm going to France. And this, of course, is news to Dawson, because they were just talking about how she didn't really know what she was going to do yet. So she goes on and she says that the family that her dad left doesn't exist anymore because he ruined it. She runs out, leaving Dawson behind with her dad, Mike. And Mike asks Dawson to tell him about Joey and who she is now and what she's like. And Dawson goes on and on about how great she is. And he ends it by saying, she's everything. So Dawson, meanwhile, back in Capeside, urges Joey to deal with these feelings that she has towards her father. But she says she would rather just go to Paris. That sounds so much better. He says running away won't help. 
And she says, all right, then give me one reason to stay. One easy, clear, non-analytical reason why I should stay. And of course they're doing their will they, won't they, not communicating their feelings things. He can't give her a reason. And she gets in her boat and she rows away. So at the hospital, Grams and Jen are debating who is responsible for this uptick in Gramps' health. Grams, of course, thanks God, but Jen rebuttals and says, you know, God can't just be credited with the good things that happen. What about AIDS and famine? And Grams, of course, is really not here for that talk. But later, they're both blindsided when Gramps has another stroke and he gets put in intensive care. This leads to yet another prayer God debate between Jen and Grams. And Jen, very upset, goes to Dawson's and she asks to stay the night there like Joey does. He reluctantly agrees and they cuddle up and he comforts her and Jen breaks down in his arms and Gramps's second stroke is is really hitting her at this moment. Back at the ice house, after closing, Pacey comes in and he has a heart to heart with Joey and they talk about their dads. Pacey tells a story from his childhood where he lost a baseball game when he was very little and his dad berated him calling a loser and all of these names. And then he later overheard his dad telling his brother, Deputy Doug, well, at least I have you. And Joey says to Pacey, you know, you should talk to your dad. You should be honest with him. And Pacey says, well, is that what you did with your dad today? And then it hits Joey. She needs to have that conversation with her dad that Dawson was urging her to have. So with Pacey's help, she takes off to jail in Pacey's car that he borrows. And visiting hours are closed, but Pacey gets her in and she gets face to face with her dad. They have an emotional discussion where he says he loves her. And she cries, saying she goes through every day thinking that no one loves her. And he says that she is loved. Dawson loves her. He can tell by the way that Dawson talks about her. Dawson looks at Joey the way Joey's mom used to look at him. And he says that Joey needs to tell Dawson that she loves him too. She needs to tell the people in her life that she loves, that she loves them, and she can't make the mistakes that he did. So Joey goes back to Capeside. She rows her little rowboat right over to Dawson's dock. She climbs up the ladder. She walks in on Dawson and Jen, just waking up while Jen is laying a kiss on Dawson. And Joey is shocked to see this. You know, she runs away. Dawson's frantic, really upset about what Joey just misinterpreted. And he leaves Jen behind and runs after Joey. And Dawson and Joey have near misses all of her Capeside. You know, she goes somewhere. He's looking for her. He'll go to the place that she just was and she's gone. So Jen later gets the call that she's been dreading, and it's that Grams has died. So she meets Grams in church and comforts her. Grams breaks down. Jen hugs Grams. It's a very nice moment for the two of them. Dawson finally finds Joey in his room. She says they need to move on. They're not kids anymore. She's tired of the drama. She's going to France. She sees no reason why she should stay in Cape Side. He has one moment of hesitation and doubt, and she heads for the window. Dawson chases after her, grabs her, and the two of them finally kiss, leaving us with the cliffhanger that they've been referencing all episode. Whether Joey's right and the cliffhanger changes nothing, or if Dawson's right and it changes everything, remains to be seen in season two. Dun, dun, dun. Drama, drama, kissing, angst. It's all there, baby. Well, we have so much to discuss, but who wrote this brilliant opus? This episode was story by John Harmon Feldman and teleplay by Mike White and Dana Barada. We've obviously covered all of them extensively over the course of this season. It actually made me go back and look, and between the three of them, they had hands on nine of the 13 episodes of this season. So they were like really leading voices, founding fathers and mothers of Dawson's Creek. Yes. So it shocked me that Kevin did not write this. And in my mind, for 25 years, he has. And I love that we're doing this segment because this is why. It's going to clear up all of these misconceptions I have. I really thought Kevin wrote this episode. I'm shocked. Yeah, it's super standard for that to be the case, especially in a season one for a showrunner to open and close the season. I was I was surprised too. So again, that means John probably did the outline or pitched the story. And Mike White and Dana Brada wrote the actual words, the script. Yes. Exactly. Precisely. This episode was amazing. Yeah. It gave a lot of relief. I feel like we've been building towards this episode for the entire season. So for people like you who couldn't wait for Joey and Dawson to get their little lips on each other. I know. More on that later. But I think that, you know, Dawson's does finales very well. Yes. Agreed. Even, Even in their clunker seasons, they always want it back with the finale. 
part of the reason this episode is so good is the direction by David Semmel, who also directed episode 110, Modern Romance, the double date episode with the carnival, which is also a fantastic episode. And I feel like he knocked it out of the park with this one as well. And he'll be back for a ton of episodes next season, but we'll get there when we get there. Wow. So they loved him there. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite parts of this episode, I guess that has to do with directing, was when Dawson and Joey were missing each other all over Cape Side. She would go to the, you know, swings and then, you know, she would leave and then he would arrive and she'd be gone. And He was always one step behind her. Tell me who's the guest cast shout out. Guest cast shout out for this episode is Gareth Williams, who plays Mike Potter, Joey and Bessie's father. Uh, He kills it. You know, we've been hearing about him for the entire season. I feel like he even kind of looks like them a little bit. Like, I don't know. He just, he he's exactly what you wanted him to be. If there was an Emmy for best guest actor in a teen drama, <laughs> let me tell you, the 1990 Emmys, no competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has many, 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 many credits. He has a storied Does career. He? I've he... never seen that man ever. Well, the thing is, he is one of those who is an episode here, an episode there. I feel like those people can tend to fly under the radar a bit. He had four different episodes of Law and Order in four different seasons playing four different characters. That to me is just like chef's kiss. I know that that happens on that show because it's so long running that that's like (laughs) a thing. Multiple people have played multiple characters, but it's just so wonderful to me. I love that. Or, Or he's just resigning himself to the fact that he like, I have one of those faces that people don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) He also had episodes of NYPD Blue, Deadwood, The Shield, Mindhunter, three episodes of True Detective, the Mahershala Ali season, which I haven't watched. Really? So yeah, Gareth Williams doing the damn thing. Episode here, episode there, making it happen. And he's, he's with us in seasons to come. We will get to enjoy the stylings of Gareth Williams. There was something very a je ne sais quoi, if you will, about meeting the character's parents. Like when yes. they, when they brought Joey's dad on, they bring Jen's mom in, they bring Jen's dad, Pacey's dad, Pacey's mom. Like there was just, when you finally meet these characters that you've been hearing so much about, you don't really hear about Pacey's mom so much, but Pacey's dad, you've been hearing about Jen's parents the whole time. Joey's dad there's when they bring them in they're also perfectly casted and then you're just oh there's just something about it you just because it's not a normal guest star right it's someone who's built into the DNA of the show and then they bring these people on and that person has to nail it you know because we've been hearing about them we feel like we know them even though we haven't seen their face and then they come on screen and you're like yeah you are Joey's dad I guess we should cover this under guest cast shout out is that you're you want to hate Joey's dad you want to hate Joey's dad because you've heard mm-hmm. for 12 episodes that he cheated on her dying mom and he's a drug dealer and he ruined their whole family and that's why they're a town pariah and that's why Joey's so she's a chip on her shoulder and she's hard and she's pardoned and but he plays him so soft he's he's like remorseful he wants to just small talk with Joey he says How's school? And she's like, that's what you want to talk about? Which, I mean, everything she says is 1000% justifiable, but the character was a lot softer and nicer than I think you're anticipating him to be because you want to hate him. And the fact that he's the catalyst that gets Joey to realize you have to go tell this guy you love him is pretty brilliant, I think. I just love that. I love how the parent came in and kind of just set into motion this thing we've been waiting 12 episodes for. He just fits. Like, he's so clearly has this relationship with Dawson as well. Like he's known Dawson his whole life. Yeah, the actors felt like their characters had a history, which is, yeah. it was very nuanced, but like I imagine that's not easy, especially for him coming onto a set where people have working together for four or five months. Yeah. So thank you, John Harmon Feldman, Dana Barada, Mike White, David Semmel, and Gareth Williams, all for having a part in bringing Mike Potter to life. 1000%. Shall we move on to music moments? Oh my God. (laughs) 
I, this is the episode that kicks off Dawson's music legacy. Yeah, it really does. I have been slowly looking ahead to to next season just because I can't help myself. And the music next season is incredible. Like the music this season was good. But from Jump next season, the music is so good. And it starts here. They tease us here. And so it should be noted that Dawson's Creek soundtrack volume one came out at the end of season two. So that's the music that's like the most burned into our brain, like those 18 tracks mm-hmm. or whatever's on there. So that's a lot of the season two music. What's your favorite music moment? I think it's All Be by Edwin McCain. The chokehold that that song had on me when I was in middle school and high school is pretty indescribable. I loved that song. I loved that song. And it plays the moment where Joey has just come home from seeing her father. Her father told her to go tell Dawson everything. She's walking up so happy to the house. She climbs up the ladder. She peeks her head through. And there's Jen kissing Dawson. Whew, what a moment. The whole triangle that they've been building for 12 episodes culminates in this one scene. And it's where Joey's ready to tell Dawson she loves him. Dawson now knows he loves Joey. He doesn't want Jen. Jen realizes she wants Dawson. The triangle has been building to this very scene. They play Edwin McCain. I'll be. It's great. And shout out to David Semmel. There's a shot where we're on the opposite side of Dawson's room, looking at the window. Jen is between the window and Dawson. So what Joey's perspective is, is Jen kissing Dawson. But what our, the audience perspective is, is Dawson laying there kind of grimacing, being like, please don't kiss me. I don't understand what's happening. So we know that he's not into it, but Joey does not know that he's not into it. It's everything. What is your favorite music moment? I will say that, you know, everyone hears Sarah McLaughlin's In the Arms of the Angel. Is it called Angel? Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks of SPCA. And even my parents, when that song is on the radio, they're like, turn it off. We can't, we can't. They're like very triggered by that. But it plays in this episode. It plays twice, doesn't it? It plays once when Joey has gone back to talk to her father to have a more vulnerable conversation. It's when Pacey takes her back. And it plays again before that. It plays with Jen and Dawson when she comes over. I'm pretty sure it's when she comes over and says, can I sleep here tonight just like you and Joey, just as friends? And she starts to cry about her grandfather. You're right. The other song... Well, two other songs that I loved. So Broken Road by Melody Crittenden. Is she one of those that was at the end of the episode? Uh, no, I know her. This was peak LimeWire, Napster era. I listened to the song a lot. Mm. So what I didn't realize is this song was actually first recorded by a band called the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band in 1994. <laughs> oh, you don't know the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band? <laughs> That's the version that you downloaded from LimeWire. <laughs> oh, raised on the nitty gritty dirt band. My parents loved them. They really brought me up. Lord, today, my first concert. <laughs> well, it was them, then it was Melody in 1998, and then the Rascal Flats version came out in 2004. Look, I'm going to give it to Melody on that one. Yeah, she brought it to light. I mean, nitty gritty, if you're, you know, really in the know, underground hipster, you know, the nitty gritty dirt band. I mean, I I actually love a good country music moment, but like Rascal Flatts was not it. So I'm going to I'm going to give that to Melody. I mean, I haven't heard nitty gritty, dirty trash bags version. (laughs) What if it's the best song we've ever heard? (laughs) What if it changes our lives? (laughs) The other song is Say Goodnight by... Beth Nielsen Chapman, which also opens season two. No one's going to forget that. Good stuff. Lots of good stuff coming next season. Obviously, that will be added to our Spotify playlist. And then we're done for season one, which is like crazy. Yes. Past versus present. Good idea. The past versus presents that I have are (laughs) as a a writer, (laughs) I feel like my as a writer is your me and these lockers. <laughs> like I will never a... stop. I wasn't even going to talk about the I lockers know, in this I episode. Know. Because Dawson's locker is near the one that Pacey's at that triggers you because it's not yeah. the same. Anyway, 
again, but the past versus present. Look, when we come at this as past versus present, I was a 15 year old in 1998. You were like four or however old <laughs> you were. <laughs> I was 13. 13. But like now we we have these jobs. So it's hard not to look at this show through the lens of our jobs, as yeah. we've talked about. You've talked about ADR and sound mixing and all these things. So just looking at it as a writer, which is how I look at everything now, which is how I critique everything. It is weird to me. And if I was in the Dawson's Creek season one writer's room, I would have brought this up and fought pretty hard for it. It's weird to me that Mitch and Gail don't have an ending to their season one story in the season one finale. It's weird that they're not in it. I wanted an end to their arc this season, like whether it's them telling Dawson they're going to work on it or I wanted some kind of button, something Mm -hmm. on it. But also this is a pretty jam-packed episode. Like what could you lose to fit in another three minute Mitch and Gail time, you know? Yeah. I audibly gasped to myself when I realized that Mitch and Gail weren't in this episode. Do you think it's just a symptom of only having the 13 episodes and they were like, whatever, we've hooked them in. The whole thing is Joey and Pacey and Dawson and Jen and we'll we'll pick it up next season. Well, the only thing, like, I'm not mad at them for not being in it because I, I feel like this episode is perfect. I don't have one note. I have not one single note about it, which is rare for me. So maybe they just didn't have the real estate for it. But now just the writer in me, you know, it's like I can't take my work eyes off when I come home. When I watch things, I just watch through my work lens. It's just it's like you and the when you hear the audio and all those things, you can't take that off now. Mm-hmm. If we didn't hear it or see it, we'd be bad at our jobs, you know? Yeah, very interesting. I didn't pick up on that. But now that you say it, it is very strange. The other past versus present that I had also kind of coming at it from a writer's angle is that... When I watched it at the time, the stakes of Dawson finding Joey when he needed to find her that night, like he needed to find her. And now I'm looking back on it. I'm hearing it. I mean, she had to tell Miss Tringle in two days whether she was accepting it, but she wasn't leaving for France for two weeks. If I were to write it now, maybe Joey would be leaving for France like the next morning, which would give you this urgency. Dawson needs to find Joey right now. Because watching it now, I was just like, well, if he doesn't find her tonight, can't he like go to her house tomorrow and say, (laughs) and just because Joey confirms I'm going to France. I mean, she's not, what is she sounding like a blood oath? Is she sounding like (laughs) giving Mrs. Tringle like her soul, like Ursula and Ariel, I mean, Ariel. (laughs) Versus if Joey's leaving in the morning, oh shit, Dawson has to find Joey tonight. The stakes were not high enough. They were at the time. But looking back, I'm like, he could just row he, he could just row the boat tomorrow. He can motor on over. It'll take him half the time that it takes her to get there. Dawson with his big motor energy. <laughs> so Joey has a conversation with with Jen and Dawson when she says, I'm up, I'm up for moving to France. They need my answer in two days, but I won't leave for two weeks. So I would have just changed that line of dialogue to Oh, if I say yes, I leave the day after tomorrow. And then it would have to be like, Dawson needs to find Joey tonight. Get fucking Gail on the 11 p.m. news. (laughs) Put an APB out. Has anyone seen this girl? She's very tall. (laughs) She's the tallest girl. She's the the too tall girl from the wrong side of the creek. (laughs) But who am I? Who am I? What am I? I don't. What does it matter what I need? I'm doing a Dawson's Creek podcast, so obviously I liked the show. (laughs) (laughs) The only things that I had past first present wise, first, they finally fixed the Tingle Tringle issue. I don't know if you noticed, but she does say Mrs. Tringle and she's actually saying Mrs. Tringle. So that was great. Wow. The only other thing, and this is kind of a obvious thing, but... Maybe when I used to watch it, I was more focused on the Joey Dawson aspect of things. And like, I appreciated her father for closing that gap and pushing that storyline along. But this time when when she asks him if he loves her and she's like, do you really love me? Because I have been spending the last 15 years thinking no one loves me really hit hard. I was like, man, this girl is she's had a tough life. I mean, I agree with you, but I thought it hit hard. Well, you guys don't know about me. I come from a very loving home. My parents are together. (laughs) At the time, I was like, no one loves me. (laughs) 
<laughs> so when she was asking her dad, like, do you love me? I feel like I go through every day thinking that no one loves me. I was like, I think that no one, lo-. I really was relating to her in this moment, but like, I had no reason to, I was psychotic, but it hit me hard then. I mean, it's hitting me hard now, but it hit me hard then. I don't know. It was just really sad. It didn't feel melodramatic to me. It felt genuinely sad to hear her say she thinks no one loves her. And it explains a lot about her character, why she's so offensive. And And I think she has a lot of people who love her. I think Mitch and Gail love her like she's their own daughter. I agree. And I think she thinks she's unlovable. And that all bleeds into the I'm not pretty. I'm not. She doesn't feel worthy. It's really sad. Anywho. Let's open it up, baby. Let me take you back to the pilot, the cold open. It's the day before school. Dawson's saying sleepover. Joey's saying I can't because we have genitalia. And he says, we've always had genitalia. And she says, yeah, but you have more of it. And he says, how do you know? And she says that long fingers. And then she finally, he finally convinces her to stay over that night. And Joey's sure the changes are going to change their relationship. And he's sure that they won't. There's a shot, an aerial shot from the bed where Joey is on her side facing the left. And Dawson is hands behind his head on his back staring into the camera almost they recreated that shot in the finale did you notice i didn't same exact she's looking away and he's yes nice. it's in the mo- it's in the motel so it's when they're about to have an overnight because they miss visiting hours they have to stay overnight in the motel and things are just weird you know dawson's like things must be weird because we're not used to this bed we're staying in like a motel bed and she's like whatever like what are you so afraid of we've you know shared a bed hundreds of times he's like i don't know things are weird but i think it's because he sees her differently now based mm-hmm. on this wind jammer anyway if you match the shots they're the same that's great i love this self-referential cold open cliffhanger conversation it was obviously a will they won't they season and going into this episode you're like something has to give something is going to happen what will it be so immediately starting off with that scene and kind of ripping off the band-aid of that conversation just felt really really right to me yeah i really liked that i wonder if that was a mike white thing to talk about the cliffhanger and the self because he loves doing that self-referential mm-hmm and there's a point during the conversation where Dawson goes, well, what if something's different this time? Wouldn't you want to stick around to find out? You wouldn't want yeah. to miss it, would you? Yeah. I mean, that's just what we love about Dawson's. We come here. We come here for that. We come here for magic. Okay. I think it's weird that, I mean, Dawson takes a minute to say, if France makes you happy, then it makes me happy. But I think it's really weird that no one is encouraging Joey to go to France. Bessie's like, it's great to be asked i don't know do what you want she should go to france yeah (laughs) why is no one telling her that with everything that she said last episode like she wants to get out she wants to travel she wants to do stuff she doesn't have the money to do it she just this opportunity fell into her lap she needs to go to france absolutely no two people have needed to go to france more than joey potter and lauren conrad (laughs) know that well, I I would like to think that Miss Tringle is encouraging her to go in the background, but really no one else seems to care. The only person who is slightly positive about her going is Jen, and that's only because Jen wants her out of the picture. I think it's 50-50. I think she's like, yes, I want Joey to get out of my hair, but I think she genuinely does want Joey to go for Joey. She was really on my nerves this episode, but also she was going through a lot. So she gets a pass, I guess. Does she get a pass or do people just show us who they are at their lowest and then we can judge them then? Preach. I mean, I think Dawson's happy for her, but he knows that this is... I know, but it's so selfish to ask her not to go. He doesn't, I guess he doesn't blatantly ask her not to go. He just kind of says, if you go, I would miss you. There's a moment where she's like, why would I stay? Like, give me a reason to stay. And he can't say anything. He's got nothing. Okay. So this leads me to a very... I've never heard this theory, personally. So I don't know okay. if I'm breaking... I'm breaking new ground in the Dawson's verse. There's a scene where Joey's talking to Bessie, and she's saying, I can't go to France. I don't even know the language. A year? Like, what am I thinking? This is crazy. Is there a world in which Joey really was probably never going to take France it's just so beyond reason that she would absolutely never. And she kind of used this to get Dawson to 
come to terms, make a decision? Did she know she was going to say no the whole time? Did she weaponize this choice? I mean, I don't really believe this theory. I'm just throwing it out. I don't think she ever seriously believed in her own heart that she was going to France. I think even when... That's what I'm saying. Even when she was throwing her little tantrum of like, everything sucks, my life would be better if I just got away. I don't think... There are times where in my life, I think that the best choice is one direction. But even in those moments, I can't visualize myself going in that direction. Does that make sense? Right. And you just kind of know in your heart of hearts that you're not going to do that. And I feel like that's where she was at. Like she knew that she should or she felt like she wanted to. I don't think that she ever really thought she was going to go. Interesting. I agree with you. So then maybe was she using this as like, uh, I'm going to leave. I don't think that's what the intention was. But I'm just saying something to think about as you watch. Yeah. Because I agree with you that I think she always knew she wasn't going. Very interesting. I don't think she would leave Bessie or Alexander or... And I think that that's why Bessie, because I was trying to think about it, of why Bessie wasn't pushing her to go. There was that time when Pacey comes and is trying to get her to go to the party and like give her a break. She's having this really hard time. Alexander's not sleeping. She's just having a hard time of it. And Bessie can sense it. And Bessie's like, go, we'll figure it out. Just go. And I kind of expected that from her in this episode, this time watching it, even though I know obviously that's not what happened. But from a character perspective, I was like, I'm surprised she didn't say go, we'll figure it out. And I really think Bessie may think that they would fall apart if Joey wasn't there. Do you think that? I actually thought you were going to say, which I love, that like Bessie loves Joey so much and wants her to go. And she thinks if she's a strong opinion, then Joey will stay. So she was like, Mm. I think it's great. Go, go, don't go, don't. Like she doesn't want Joey to think that she's needed there. So Joey doesn't feel an obligation to stay. Mm. And I kind of love that. Bessie. I mean, we're probably projecting. And I know. Mike White's like, these guys are idiots. What are they talking Mike about? White's like, they're talking about me again. <laughs> Gotta fall from that restraining order. Do you think if she didn't get what she was looking for from Dawson, she would have gone? No, this is just like make-believe. I don't even know if it's worth talking about, but do you think that would have pushed her over the edge? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. Let's talk about the Dawson, Joey, Pacey of it all. Because that's what our podcast was founded on. But we're not really going to get into it until season three. But like, obviously, this was the most DJ, PJ episode we've had. Right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Dawson and Joey have their first kiss and Pacey and Joey have a really good heart to heart. I love the Pacey-Joey dynamic in this episode. I think it's so sweet that... Pacey comes to the ice house at closing time. So if the kitchen's closing, it's like, what, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock? And Joey's like, can you steal your dad's car and drive me to jail four hours away? Right? So they get there in the middle right. of the night and then right. they drive back four hours. That's a big favor. And he's very happy to do it. Yes. And I think the other contrast you can draw is that they Dawson and Joey and Pacey and Joey both showed up after visiting hours were over. Dawson kind of took no for an answer and his first instinct was to get them a room to stay over to save Joey the trip coming back the next day. And Pacey's first instinct is to just fix the situation. I'm going to get Joey in, even though it's after hours, I'm going to talk to the cop, bribe the cop, do whatever I have to do to kind of get Joey in to see her dad right now. They both had Joey in mind, but it's a good contrast of their personalities, I think. I have a question for you that I know the answer to. How did it make you feel to see someone other than Joey come through Dawson's window? Oh, I did not like that. It it felt sacrilegious. Yeah. Blasphemy. So Jen, after she hears that her grandfather had a second stroke and he actually had a setback, she climbs to the window. I didn't like it. Do you think that she's just completely trying to, because she goes, she climbs in the window. He's very surprised to see her. She says tells him what's happening with her grandfather and says, can I sleep here tonight like you and Joey do just as friends? Do you think that she's trying to put herself in Joey's shoes because she can feel him slipping away towards Joey? Yeah, I think she's trying to get him to feel all those things that he feels with Joey. She's trying. Yes, I do. Do you? Yeah, I don't think I thought that when I was younger, but now I can certainly see it. And I think 
the reason the writing now like it's still so brilliant is because it hit then and we got it all then we got it all like we were in we loved it there was nothing that was hitting above our age group but you just see it differently now yeah like you could see it at 15 and think she's just trying to get in there and you look at it now and you're like she was just trying to manipulate dawson based on what he felt for joey she was trying to really put her in that scenario so yeah is there anything you'd like to say about the PC Joey heart to heart? Given the context of the episode, I think it's really nice that Joey has someone that she can kind of, even though it's a very different dysfunctional father relationship, someone that she can commiserate with about not having the perfect family. Because obviously Dawson, who is her like number one best friend, comes from pretty perfect everything up until the affair happened. So I, I thought that was really nice. I thought it was nice for both of them. I felt really bad for Pacey in this episode. We really get a we've been hearing a lot about his dad and how he's the black sheep of the family. And we got a taste of Dougie in the earlier parts of the season. But that's when you really he really lays into him. You can just tell that the words coming out of Doug's mouth aren't just his. They're coming from yeah. their dad. So I thought and, it was a really nice and- moment for both of them. And their dad's a police officer, which we know. So Dougie went that route and he's the deputy now. Pacey's a black sheep and it's really sad. But you got, I think the revelation this episode was that Pacey at a very young age overheard something he shouldn't have overheard. And maybe that has contributed to the path that he's chosen and taken, which is, I think he thinks his parents have already made up their minds about him. So yeah. why would he why would he try to be better than what they think because he's not going to change their mind, you know, if they've already made it. It was sad. It was sad. And something I'm willing to admit is like I wonder if you know, looking back, I I still think that James Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes have better on-screen chemistry, but I'm starting to realize maybe Pacey and Joey character-wise are better fits cuz they've so much in common. More compatible. Character-wise, these characters have so much in common. I have to wonder, do you think it was deliberate or do you think it was accidental that like each guy took a turn taking her to the dad in the sense that the show devolved into Pacey versus Dawson? It mm-hmm. didn't start that that way. But looking back on it, these two guys took her to see her dad in the same episode. One was very self-involved on the way there, talking about how the Paris decision was going to affect him, Dawson. And that didn't go very far and it ended up Dawson talking talking to Joey's dad <laughs> not that it was more about Dawson but it was you know Pacey's trip was more about Joey and I guess what I'm trying to say is was was Pacey a better fit to take Joey to see her dad because he was the one who could relate to her and get her to see that she had to be honest versus Dawson when he took her the whole focus was like France are you gonna do France And even before they went on the trip and they bought the tickets and they were standing there waiting, Joey was like, oh man, I can't believe we're doing this. I really don't want to go. And he's like, it'll, it'll be fast. And then he moves on to a new topic. Yeah. I noticed that too. And that's what was really nice about the Pacey Joey conversation. They're kind of like mirrors to each other. She was like, did you bring that up to your father when he's telling the story of when he was younger and how it really hurt his feelings? She says, did you tell him that? Did you tell him that it hurt your feelings? And he's like, no. And he's like, did you tell your father all of these things? And she's like, no, (laughs) but I'm going to. What else you got for me? I thought it was really nice to see or to understand for the first time Jen's relationship with Gramps. Like when they have that moment in the hospital room where she is kind of explaining, like, I need you to come back. I need you to fix my life the way you always do. You can tell that they had a really strong bond. And it also made me kind of ache a little bit for both of Grams and Jen for the last few months. In the three-person relationship, they're the two that don't see eye to eye and don't get along. And I'm sure he was always the buffer for them. This was the first time I agree with you that you really feel like he meant something to her. And she'll really miss him if he's gone because he he's been a little bit of a plot device, a little bit of a prop. Mm-hmm. He he was the front why she came here. But this was the first time you get a glimpse that there's Jen really cares about him. I think I agree. I agree with that for sure. Oh, it was so brutal when 
Joey and Pacey go back. Joey has a conversation with her father. She asks if he loves her. They have that whole conversation that we've already talked about. And then he says, Dawson does too. And she kind of rolls her eyes. And he's like, no, he does. Does she ask how does he know or whatever? Yeah. And he says, he looks at you the same way your mother looked at me. Oh, brutal. It's good writing. A whole Katie Holmes, Gareth scene, the, the Mike, Joey scene, where she's pretty much, she starts off the conversation like, this is it. I'm going to be fine. You raised someone fine. I'm going to survive. It's a goodbye almost. And it's really sad. But I feel like even the first part of the scene is very powerful. Before she gets into any of that, before they get into the talking about the mom and the love. And I mean, she's basically accepting it and kind of coming to terms with all of it. And she's clearing up her feelings, kind of getting rid of it, freeing herself of it, you know, like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. She wants him to have peace of mind. Yeah. It's like heavy. The whole thing is heavy. And Sarah McLaughlin's playing. So (laughs) what else do you got? Anything? What I need to tell you was that. I was the biggest Dawson's Creek fan in 1998. Like I was known for this. Like people in in school like knew me. Like oh Dawson's Creek. Like that kid's obsessed with Dawson's Creek. Bup, 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 bup. For some reason in May of 1998, I got invited to go see a baseball game, a minor league baseball game. Something I would never say yes to, but I feel like it was like closely school related. Te- like a teacher got it, and she took like three people in the class. I don't really know, but I ended up saying yes. And it happened to be the night of the Dawson's Creek finale. Mm. No big deal. Like, I'm just going to set up the VCR to record it. I get home. It didn't record. Now, as someone who has built their last, like, four or five months around Dawson's Creek, this is very devastating to me. So I remember going to school the next day and, you know, like, all these girls who watched Dawson's Creek, of course, like, wanted to talk about it with me. And, you know, I was like, I actually didn't see it. Like, I went to this baseball game. So it's like, (laughs) no big deal, you know. And of course, inside, I'm like, I'm dying inside that I missed it. But like, you know, I was pretending to be straight. So I couldn't be like that sad over a teen drama. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, my God, what happened? And I remember being in the library and this girl explaining to me what happened. And the only thing I really vividly remember her explaining to me in that moment, she was like, yeah, like Dawson and Joey, they just kept like going from place to place, but they kept like missing each other. So like she was on the swing set and then she was gone. And then like he was on the swing set looking for her and then like she was on the dock and then like they showed the dock and like she wasn't on anymore and then like he was on the dock and then I remember her explaining this to me in the library and I was just like so upset I was just like <laughs> so to hear this girl I have to hear like secondhand that a show that I've been recording rewatching obsessively rewatching the finale didn't freaking record for whatever reason I went out on a night I never would have gone out onto an event I never would have gone to and it didn't record and I was like I'm never gonna I'm never gonna see this again luckily by the grace of God they re-aired this one before the season two premiere I'm glad that in the end it all worked out and now we can just watch anything we want we can just say it out loud and some device in our home will turn it on for us So another thing that I did notice was when I was fact-checking myself to see if the shot in the motel matched the shot from the cold open season one, Dawson's bedroom has changed. Oh. It's gone from small wood panel, horizontal wood panels to like vertical, like green panels, I think. You'll see when you watch back. They did a little renovating. So where were you when this finale aired? I think every episode of season one... I watched at home, sometimes on the phone with a friend and sometimes just by myself. I remember my parents had this, it was white, green, and red plaid recliner in our TV room. And I would pull it up to the TV and watch. (laughs) Where was your head at at this finale ending? Like, because you weren't a Pacey Joey fan then, were you? No, um, no, I think I was a Pacey fan then. I don't think I was necessarily a Pacey Joey. Right, because it wasn't even on your radar. I remember feeling a lot of feelings, but I don't remember if I felt strongly that I wanted Dawson and Joey to be together. So you don't remember what you felt like after the cliffhanger? I feel like I was happy that something happened. Progression, story progression. I mean, we can only take so much, you know. In this episode itself, she asks him multiple times why she should stay. Give me a reason to stay. And he can't. (laughs) My favorite was when she said, why should I stay? Is there some new release at the video store that I don't know about? 
<laughs> Sassy. It was really good, though. I feel like her little shocked face when he does kiss her was really good. Where was your head at? You were feeling really good about it. Well, you know, I didn't see it for a long time. And then oh, right. I, was, I think I was really happy with the finale. The dynamic cast shifts. So like you're looking forward to that as a viewer. You're just like, oh, things are going to be, you know, Dawson and Joe are going to be a couple this season. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all I have. You have anything else? That's all I have. That's it. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. What you watching? What you watching this weekend? It was Memorial Day. And as we know from previous episodes, my car debacle, my car is totaled and I'm waiting on a new one. So I was kind of, you know, homebound this weekend. And so I started and finished A League of Their Own on Amazon, which for the most part I liked. I think they tried new things and they made a lot of choices and I think some of them worked and some of them didn't but overall like I would fully recommend it are they doing a second season they're gonna do a four episode second season which I'm glad about they did a great adaptation of the movie in the sense that they they kept some things true they did homages to other things they tried to make it their I thought it was the good blend of paying respect to the original and just trying to make it its own thing I mean, maybe like an episode or two longer than it should have been. That's why I'm really looking forward to a four episode second season, but great cast. You probably don't know this about me, but from the time that movie came out through high school, I would quote that as my favorite movie. I loved that movie. Loved it. It was it was very much in rotation in our house for sure at that time period. So good. So it's good. To, it's good to hear that you like the series. I've kind of been not actively avoiding it. There's so much content out there, but I've been like, I should watch that. But uh, I don't know. If I were to adapt a movie into a series, they kind of did exactly what I would do, which is a 50-50. Make it your own, but pay the right respects that you need to. And I feel like they did that, honestly. Awesome. What are you watching? I recently watched Air, the movie Air, which I really, really, really liked. How was that? Okay. Just to say out loud, you can access it for free right now if you have a Prime membership. So that's how I watched it. I 100% recommend it. It felt like classic. I don't know. The production value was high. The cast was amazing. Totally reminded me of Ford versus Ferrari. Like it's a sports story, but it has a lot of, there's a lot of strong characters in the movie. The one thing that surprised me, I don't know if this is like a spoiler or not, but From the the Jordan family side, you really deal with his parents the most. His mom is played by Viola Davis, and they have meetings with them, mother, father, Michael Jordan. And you see Michael Jordan from behind, but you never see his face, which I think is a choice, obviously, and probably a good one because he's so recognizable, but also slightly distracting. I don't know. It It was interesting the first time that you see them. I was like, are they never going to show his face? Because he's like getting out of a limo and the way they cut you don't, you kind of just see the back and, and you never see his face. I know. I feel like that'd be really effective or really distracting. I can't yeah. tell which one, but you said I it think, you think it works. Yeah. I think at the beginning it was distracting for me, but then I also wonder if that's because I'm a f- film and TV person. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think once you get used to that device, it, it wasn't distracting. But did you like, you You would recommend this movie? 100%. I thought it was really, really good. It was super interesting. It's a story we all kind of know peripherally. Yeah, I really want to see it. Really good. And I just love Matt Damon. I really do. I love them both. And I'll never not love them. I'm sorry. I'll I know. just never not love them. And Viola Davis is amazing. I read that in the original script, his mother was not as large of a part in the movie. And then they cast her and they rewrote and they were like no she she is one of the stars of the movie she's so good uh, i just love viola davis i really wanted to see air i really want to see air and i didn't even realize going into it that jason bateman is in it he plays like a pretty big part in it as well also chris tucker was in it where's he been That's, this cast is great yeah the other thing that i started yesterday and i've already binged half the season which also isn't new, is Welcome to Wrexham, which is that Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney documentary about how they bought the soccer team in Wales. And it is so good. It's directly up my alley. So I don't know if you'll love it as much as I do, but it's kind of like a real life head lasso a little bit. So basically they decide they're going to buy this 
football team. And they pick this team in Wales that is owned by the fans that has been relegated down to the depths of the league. So like basically there are tiers and Mm -hmm. then every year, like the bottom four or bottom three or something like that, teams in that league are relegated down to the <gasps> to the next league wow. and the the top three or four teams from that league are are go up oh wow yeah so there's like a constant flux and this team is like five levels down so they've just <laughs> been having a terrible time they're like the bad news bears they don't have a lot of money they made some bad deals in the past they don't own their stadium blah 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 all this stuff and rob McElhenney and ryan reynolds come in and buy the team and it's like reinvigorates this town in a way of like can these guys is this the thing is this the thing that's going to get us back and they the town cares so much about the team and they interview they like follow little pockets so it's like this one guy and his two sons that they follow and this one woman who has been a quote-unquote full-time volunteer for the team and they finally get her a real job and pay her it's just a very sweet story so far and from what i understand there will be a season two so how many episodes and where is this it's an fx series available on hulu i think there's like 18 maybe in the first season and they're making a second season wow it's really good and ryan reynolds they're all they're in it they're in their mm-hmm. Okay. So I have been binging Exo Kitty on Netflix, which is the spin-off TV series of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. It's like a little bit Felicity meets oh god, what was the Party of Five spin-off with Jennifer Love Hewitt called? Like that. Because so basically this girl, Kitty, who is uh Lara Jean's sister from To All the Boys I've Loved Before she's a big romantic as you know from the book series and the movie series she met a boyfriend in korea in movie three i believe and so she wants to go to korea to be with him but she also finds out that her mom who passed away and who she does not know well went to a korean boarding school so she wants to go to this korean boarding school so she applies and she gets in so she goes to korea kind of to meet a boy so it's it's that felicity element that felicity went to nyu to be with ben but she wants to learn about her mother and what her mother went through. And it just leads her on this whole path. And there's great characters. The cast is great. It's a good blend of teen comedy, dramedy, soapy, and like Korean drama. So highly recommend. They also do a Breakfast Club episode. All roads lead back to Dawson. So I think that's it. That's our finale. But yeah, I mean, we have so much more to dive into, but... We're going to take a little break. We will do some bonus episodes, some supplemental episodes. We'll pop in. We might just pop in just for fun. Hey, here we are. Happy Fourth of July. (laughs) Yes, I hope everyone has an amazing summer. And we'll be back in August, baby, season two. See you in season two, baby. Bye. Bye.